Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. Now, on with the show. What did you just say? I said, do you think I can fit this whole microphone in my mouth? I do. Let's let's find out. I don't want to do it when you're recording. I think <laughs> that would be a gross sound. Okay. Well then, really I thought it'd be a good intro, but apparently not. This is how it always starts. I record until some, we say something funny. Sometimes it takes hours. <laughs> and then, then, I, then I go, okay, let's start. And then the avalanches come in and they play 10 seconds of their song and then they go back to Australia. So we have like 700 and something listeners, subscribers, listeners now. Subscribers yeah. or listeners? Subscribers. Good job, you guys. We have such a Thank nice little you. community. Thank you so much. I We're so glad you're here. Be honest too. We have a multinational coalition. We have mostly Americans, which is cool, but Canadians. we also have, we have, we're number five on the Canadian comedy chart. So what's that a boot? And <laughs> we just dropped 13 places. We have three listeners in China. I Way can't, to go China. I can't find out if they're all in the same household or not. Oh, I, I kind of hope not. That way they can start a little club. So if you're in China. I'm glad that they can get this in China. I know. But they can't get Facebook. So. If you're in if China, you're in China make a fan page. <gasps> what's the equivalent of Facebook in China? I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. There's some social media site. That- yeah, thank you. And get us get some more Chinese listeners. We have a handful in New Zealand, the Czech Republic. Yeah. We have one person in South Africa. Really? Yeah. What a lonely little person. Aww. If you're currently listening to this in South Africa, pause it. Go find anybody bring them to your room, and then make them listen to this with you. And now we have two. We just went up 100%. Like our Facebook page if you're in a country that allows Facebook. And if you're in a country that doesn't, make one. On our face, this is the reason I was talking about Because on our Facebook page, I was talking about things that... We have no fans in the UK currently. Oh, how can we get them? Um, Ask. Do you know anyone in the UK? I know. I haven't talked to her in a long time, but I used to know Meghan Markle. And so <laughs> she knows what she did, but I, I'm willing to forgive her if she gives us a couple <laughs> listeners. Cool. Good luck fact checking that. We can mail her some stickers. What do they call stickers in the UK? Stickers. <laughs> well, we've melded into one. Okay. <laughs> you know what I really love is that we've been really first. We're at minute 35 so far. We've been really pushing this podcast and we not once said the name yet. It's Reverse Psychology. Welcome to Reverse Psychology. Podcast. Why is it called Reverse Psychology? Because it, because all the other psychology <laughs> names were taken. Well, also, we were going to call this show... Unsolicited Advice. Yeah, but that's already a podcast. Yeah, it's also a long name. Don't listen to that podcast. Listen yeah, to this podcast. Boycott that podcast. So I was talking about our Facebook page, though. Why was that? Because... I posted something earlier about things that you learn too late in life. Yeah. Yeah. And so like one of the ones for, I mean, this is really like innocent, but one of the ones that I learned was like that little arrow next to your gas tank measurer. <laughs> I can't talk. 
You know where you see like your, your gas, gas gauge. Your gas the gauge. The arrow that indicates what side the hole is on. Yes. That is something I learned like maybe a year ago. So when I was 38. Yeah. When you were 38, that. you learned that? It's adorable. I had, even in my own car, I would forget a lot. So I would pull up to the, pull into the gas station. Would you pull up stop with your rim still spinning? I would pull in the gas station Just and I would roll down my window and then stick my head really far out to see if it was on the driver's side or not. Every single time? Yeah. With the same car? Yeah. Good. I just couldn't remember. That's it just okay. didn't stick. And yeah, you so now I just You should have put a little piece thing. of tape near a gas gauge with an arrow. above Next the, to the arrow. <laughs> above the already created arrow for you. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, since we're international, I don't want to speak for other countries' cars and assume it's the same. So, Have you ever been in, in a car that has the steering wheel on the other yeah. side? What if you imported a car to the... Are you allowed to drive yeah. here? Male cars are like that. Yeah, no, I get that. But are cool. you allowed to drive here Yeah, with your... Totally. No. Yeah. You. How do you know that? Because. So confidently. Because. Why not? Be- Did you know it's not against the law to drive barefoot? Yeah, I do it all the time. I know, but when I was younger, people were like, oh, you're going to get pulled over. I was like, how? What fucking cop is going to be like, I have a feeling you were barefoot? Well, cops have x-ray vision. Cops do. And I was like, officer, is there anything I can do to get out of this ticket? Then I just let him touch my feet. Foot cop. (laughs) You should definitely take that out. I'm warming up. That's what this. That's the other name of this podcast. This podcast should be called Take That Out. Take That Out. I kind of regret not saving everything that you've asked me to take out. Yeah, no, that way I, we can have one episode yes. called Reverse Psychology After Dark. We would have an explicit lyrics rating already. Yeah, this podcast has an explicit, explicit rating. Thanks, Tipper Gore. We're rated E for everyone and E for explicit. <laughs> We're a classic double E podcast. Big uh, double E's. Hey, remember, Is that a boob, boob size? Remember, speaking of Tipper Gore, was it, she, she was the one, right? With the explicit lyric? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, her, yeah. Her LP was uh, gross. And, holy shit. I just learned that she was a drummer. Did you know this? She was a like a hardcore drummer in a band, like a well-known band. She toured Which one? With, um, I'm going to... She was a drummer for an all-female band named the Wildcats. She's played drums with the Grateful Dead. It's just, it's ironic, right? Because she... Isn't it ironic? I mean, this Tip should be... Gore in a rock and roll band. The Gores are separated? Al Gore's a cock hound. Gores were dating other people. Oh, they have no plans to resume their marriage. But their bond endures and their relationship is friendly. So they're in an open relationship? They are. That's sweet. It's good for the environment. I didn't know that. We should talk about how we're psycho. Oh, you have that in the intro already. We're both psychologists. We love psychology. Are we doing a reboot? No, I'm talking about who we are in our podcast. We're both psychologists. I should say, we don't say it a lot though. I should say, I have a behavioral orientation. Let's let's do a hard start right now. Let's welcome the podcast, introduce ourselves. Is this an editing nightmare for you? This is, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start from this point. No. This is an editing nightmare right now. Good. We've gotten like 600 new listeners since the last episode. Oh, shit. We, we got to deliver the And a lot of them the aren't going back to the first episode. Okay, yeah. Deliver, deliver the high quality content and, that we know we can. And so we have to introduce it and say who we are and why we're here and what our smart goal is. <laughs> oh, God. That's okay. a full episode. <laughs> No, we'll be really quick. Okay. Okay. Ready? Ready? I welcome back. Yeah. (laughs) Solid. Good. Take that out. Yeah. Welcome to Reverse Psychology. I'm Dr. Mike. I'm Dr. Diana. 
And we, we are, are psychologists. Yep, that was ex- excellent. Thank you. We have exploded in a good way over the past couple of Not weeks. Not in a diarrhea way. We did an NDE, a non-diarrheal explosion, where we've grown really quickly. And so we want to do a really quick reintroduction. So I'm Dr. Mike. I am a clinical psychologist and also college professor. Who are you? Are you, t- are you asking me? No, I'm asking the, the listener. listener. I'm listening. Okay, say out loud and I'll give them a second. Who are you? Oh, yeah. And we're cool. back. Oh, cool. Okay. Good to meet you. And across from me is my ex-girlfriend. What? Dr. Diana. I'm not. That's not true. Yeah, you are. Are we breaking up? You're my current wife and you're my ex-girlfriend. Oh, I get it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. You can't both be my girlfriend and wife at the same time. Yeah, that's sweet. So you're my oh. ex-girlfriend. Okay. Who are I you? am Dr. Diana. I'm a behavioral and school psychologist. Okay. And board certified behavior analyst. Cool. I am also a college professor. I also have a private practice. Cool. In case you're here and you're like, why the fuck am I listening to this? Our goal is to talk about a field we're passionate about in a way that's really fun. Uh, And because we're both psychologists and we both deliver therapy, we want to give information on both psychology in general, but also talk about mental health, talk about therapy, and really just get people talking about it. And you're already checking your watch. No, I was checking my text message. I got a text about... I signed up for like a bunch of volunteer opportunities with some of the candidates, some of the Democratic candidates, and I get notifications all the time. Who just texted you? Was it... Bernie. Oh, Bernie just texted you? Was it all in caps? He uses the number four for He signs all of his his texts. Can you come to Los Angeles? Heart Bernie. My dad still texts like they texted in 2001. So he'll use a lot of like numbers and like a you for the word you. I did get a text. From my dad? From your dad yesterday that ended with too cute to be forgotten. (laughs) Have a bitch in summer. Have a bitch in summer. And all the A's were fours. It was cool. And he wrote out boobs. He did. Like a calculator. I said, what's your address? And he said, 80085. I was like, that's not your address. Those are boobs. We got to talk about what we're going to talk about. So today, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. Why? Because we've been doing a lot of lip service. Mm, A lot of kissing. So one of our pet peeves, one of my pet peeves. Yeah, Yeah, you own that pet peeve. You don't have it? I have it. I just don't get as up in arms. Yeah, I got my panties in a wad. You do. Yeah. My panties are always in a wad in my pocket. That sounds like another problem. Yeah, I always forget to put them on in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'll get this later. Oh, I thought you had an extra pair of panties. like a. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I should. Just put your panties on and then your extra I panties I definitely, um, one di- when I was flying to Africa, then my carry-on, it was just like an over-the-shoulder bag, had a change of clothes. Because I was like, if I lose my real suitcase, at least I'll have some clothes. I was like running to my next flight and some lady was like, hey, stop. And I looked in between her and I, a pair of my underpants had fallen out of my bag and were laying on the floor. And I went back to get them and she like went to get them faster. And in she got the reverse and she pulled out a pencil from her pocket <laughs> and she picked them up like it was like there was a rape scene and she was like, look at this evidence. And she picked it up with the pencil. Were they crusty? No, they're they're clean. And I she handed them to me and she's like, these are yours, I think. And I was like, you saw them come from my bag. And I go, oh. They're clean, but as I was saying that, I also grabbed them by like the tips of my two fingers as if they weren't clean. <laughs> really sending a mixed message to that lady. How many people do you think try to, like I did with the 
WTF podcast. How many people do you think try to move past this part, like skip forward to the content? I think this is the content. Oh, we'd like to think so. Today we're... What's your pet peeve? We've never said it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, let's get to it. Attention deficit disorder? (laughs) Is that your pet peeve? I have it, but it's not my pet peeve. I really hate when people use terms that are mental health issues. As adjectives? As adjectives, right. It's demeaning to the people who actually really suffer from these conditions. It's also not accurate. Well, but I think it has taken like a spot, the pop psychology issue where people use these terms kind of as everyday terms and then they become like part of our vernacular and then people use them cavalierly. You know what? Kind of in that same vein, and this isn't the topic of today, but I my pet peeve is when people refer to themselves as having autism when it's when they're oh, just totally. assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I have a couple of people I've worked with who are like just they know Oh, I'm on the spectrum. Yeah. And and they, they I think they show no other signs. They know that they're not supposed to do it, but they act like monsters in the waiting room and then they're like, sorry. I'm on the spectrum. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah, and that's like, not like, what that don't, means. Don't use that as a cop-out to be an asshole. But also, having autism doesn't mean being an asshole. Exactly. The, it's just, there's a lot Young of... Young mis- Sheldon's not an asshole. That's where we're... That's that's our job, really, is to... To be assholes? To, to... How to sift between genuine mental illness and assholes. And how to be smarter in your approach to mental health conditions. Before we do that, we're going to talk about our topic for today, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. Usually one of us takes the lead and the other one becomes a terrible student. Right. But now we're, we're both, both taking a terrible the lead. Students. We're both a terrible student. Yeah. We're going to talk about the diagnosis today and kind of what it entails. And then next time we're going to talk about treatment. Okay. Let's talk about OCD. Okay. Whoa. What happened to my voice? <coughs> Got it. I'm back. Welcome back. What is it? It's a. I'm gonna. That was like a. Yeah. It depends on when you ask in history. That's true. But let's er talk about it now. Okay. Okay. We can talk about historically what people thought it was. But okay, it's a neuropsychiatric disorder associated with significant impairment and a lifetime prevalence. Prevalence. Let's start from the top. Welcome back to reverse (laughs) psychology. It's an. It's. It's an OCD. It's an. Okay. I definitely like when a. The diagnosis has the title in its explanation. It's like when a definition... What's depression? It's just when you're feeling depressed. Okay, so OCD is a neuropsychiatric disorder associated with significant impairment and a lifetime prevalence of 1% to 3%. That is an international statistic, but there are certain countries we just don't know a lot about. And so we can't truly say that that's representative, but that's the best information we have. In America, about 1.2% of people at any point across the year will meet criteria for OCD. It favors females over males. Do you want me to just give the straight criteria for what OCD is? No, no, no. I want to say, I want to say a couple of things first. I do because it's really important. I know. It's seriously, it is missed in primary care settings all the time. Once you know it, like once you know it, you know it, like in terms of like being a practitioner, clinician, something like depression might show up really easily. If you're a primary care doctor, you might know how to ask questions for it and give screeners and whatever. And so you're more likely to get that diagnosis and treatment options from your primary care physician. But OCD typically goes unrecognized for many years. Typically someone is demonstrating significant symptoms for up to eight years before they're diagnosed. 
Wow. Yeah. So you gave me an interesting piece of information before we started about the interference in life. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so it can be so impairing to people that it's actually similar to the level of impairment that people with schizophrenia have. So in terms of the time lost to dealing with the actual manifestation of the disorder, it can be as debilitating as something like schizophrenia, which tends to really impede people's abilities to have relationships, hold jobs. And from a historical standpoint, when medicine first started to study OCD, so when they started- I love when medicine studies things. Yes. Originally, it was really like treated by the clergy, which it was was thought of as you're possessed. And then they were like, well, you might not be possessed. You just have too much time on your hands. So they like the clergy would basically just encourage people to get more busy. And then when medicine was like, oh, let's just start to study medicine. this. <laughs> they split. They talked about what we now know as OCD as being a non-insanity disorder. And so you would have... Oh, good. There's lo- insanity versus non-insanity? Yeah. 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 Well, which is interesting because we still kind of see things that way where mm-hmm. talking about obsessive compulsive disorder is an adjective. It's like, oh, I'm so OCD. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm not insane. I'm just really neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. Whereas schizophrenia and the other like real psychotic things are like the insanity things. And so early on, people were very unlikely to get treatment or to be put into insane asylums for OCD. It would mm-hmm. be these more insane things. So it's kind of seen as its own mm. cluster. It's actually mm. only very recently in the new DSM where OCD and the related things are its own camp of disorders where it used to be like housed under anxiety. Mm. And originally, if you had OCD, you were treated with opium and arsenic. What can't you treat with opium and arsenic, though? Very little. Also, fun fact, you can clean your counters that way. Oh, so if you spill your medication, you just like kind of wipe it down and you're like, sweet. Well, you take the opium and you use the arsenic on the countertop. Cool. All right. Moving on. It used to be that in order to get the diagnosis, you had to have an awareness of... So there's two different parts. There's the obsessions and the compulsions. Obsessions are thoughts compulsions are behaviors. For the diagnosis now, you can only have obsessions or only have compulsions and still meet the diagnostic criteria. That didn't used to be the case. You used to have to have both. And also what didn't used to be the case is that now in the new DSM, you used to have to have an awareness of the obsessions and the compulsions. So you used to have to be able to self-report like, I have to check the oven 20 times a day to make sure it's off. Now, the diagnostic criteria does not require that you're able to self-report that. They used to require a level of insight, basically, that they don't have to anymore. Yeah. And now that's just a specifier. Sure. Okay. So specifiers. Speaking let's of, let's start, talk let's about- Let's start with the criteria. Let's talk about- Yeah. Because we're getting- Do it. Get into the weeds before we get into the forest. Yeah, let's let's get real granular and then we'll pull out and explain what we're talking about. Yeah, you will. So yeah, you will. There's basically two things you need to get diagnosed with OCD. First thing is having, like Dr. Diana was saying, obsessions, compulsions, or both. Obsessions are just recurrent and persistent thoughts that the individual is trying to ignore or get rid of. And so if you are ruminating on something and you're not making attempts to remove it, it actually isn't an obsession. The obsession has to be something that you want to remove. Then a compulsion is a repetitive behavior with the purpose of either preventing or removing distress. So it could be you have a thought and you do this behavior to remove the thought. So you might have the thought that the door is unlocked. You're very worried about a break-in. So you might check the lock to remove it. But you might anticipate that, oh, if I don't brush my teeth for 10 minutes, something bad's going to happen. And so you you do the compulsion to 
prevent the obsession from right. happening. And while you're talking about that, I really want to talk about the different categories of obsessions. Yes. Let me. Okay. Go. Finish this. Okay. And you then go. The only other thing is it has to be time consuming and cause impairment. And so from a diagnostic standpoint, time consuming is usually at least an hour a day. And then impairment across any of your main domains. So if it's hurting your performance at work or school or at home and relationships and stuff like that. That's interesting because sometimes people don't always know if it's affecting their relationships. And, like, and sometimes people feel like they have to be doing it to do well at school, do well at home. Okay. Like what? So for instance, in these categories of obsessions Mm -hmm. so there's things like cleaning so there's usually the obsession is contamination Mm -hmm. and then cleaning is the compulsion to remove that right and so sometimes people feel like if you have lower insight into i see what's going on you you might feel like no you have to do this i have to clean to this this level to be safe and so it it is self-reinforcing in a lot of ways because you have this fear of oh if i did not do this, I would be getting sick. So it's not interfering. It's keeping me from getting sick. Mm. The ironic thing being that a lot of times, over time, the obsessions are self-defeating. So you're more likely to get sick because you're... Sure, you're stressing your you're, system out. You're stressing your system out. And also a lot of times you're doing things to such a degree that you're causing harm. Okay, I need to get more diet root beer. Okay. And I will be right back. Okay, while you do that, I'm going to talk... And talk it, no, I... I just want to say today, my diet root beer is brought to you without or brought to me without whiskey. Good. I I do love a DRB with whiskey. Congratulations. So the other three common pairings while Diana is going, you'll probably hear the ice maker. Oh, good. Okay. So the other three. One is symmetry, which is this feeling that things are off or just unso. And so there's this discomfort over things not being in a balance this is also a really common one with more body-based ocd so this feeling that your hair is not level or your muscles are on level there's just that feeling that things are off Mm -hmm. and then there's the obsession which is moving things in a specific order counting things in a certain way so this is you'll see this more commonly on tv where it's people that have to like touch the doorknob three times like monk yeah monk was a common one with that he had symmetry yeah, usually. And then that, that's actually the really common one people will think about is, oh, I like my pens lined up in a certain right. way. Right. Or, like, or I like my bookshelf to be um, arranged by color. Right. And if you it must be OCD. I do love my... Also, you are not OCD. You have... O- you ha- you're a person with obsessive... You're not... Yes. Thank you for... Cl- that. That is a pet peeve of mine when people use their disorder as an identity. Like, like I am OCD. I am... Depressed. Depressed versus yeah. I have depression. Yeah. Semantics, but it makes but a difference. It, it means it makes a big difference. And we can talk about that some, some other time. Oh, look who's doing that now. Yeah. I'm trying to, trying to keep us on track. Okay, good. So the other two, forbidden or taboo thoughts. So this is when you have intrusive and unwanted thoughts that feel against the norm so a lot of times they're more aggressive thoughts and so really common ones are people that have the impulsive thought of i'm gonna hit someone so like i've worked with people in the past where they might be in class on the bus someplace and they have that thought of i'm gonna punch this person and that thought causes a lot of anxiety mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. one really common thing with people with, with obsessive compulsive disorder is they're, they have an exaggerated sense of responsibility and fear that the thought is going to lead to an action. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they're terrified, I'm going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. The other one is like uncommon or inappropriate thoughts. So this feeling of like, have you ever had the experience where you're, 
This I actually have this thought pop up in my head sometimes, and I'm I don't do anything to avoid it because I I don't freak out to it. Uh, but have you ever had the experience where you're talking to someone and then you like the thought pops in, you're like, oh, I really hope I don't kiss this person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes I re- ugh, sometimes I really think about like what it would sound like to hit them in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's funny because these are the, the so. I like that we're talking about this because th- oh, these these they're normal. These thoughts are so normal. Yeah, the thing that will tip it into an OCD range mm-hmm. is the fear around it or the, the discomfort <laughs> around it. How often are you thinking that you're gonna kiss someone? It uh, it, it pops up <laughs> randomly, <laughs> and it's it's never it's never a thought to someone who like I'm attracted to. Mm. It's always this like I'm which talk- is only me exactly. And I'm never worried that I'm gonna kiss you because I know I'm gonna kiss you. Aww. But you know, I'll be talking to like a coworker, and they'll be like <laughs> rambling about something, and then I'll have the thought in my head of like, "Oh God, I really hope I don't kiss this person." <laughs> and it makes me laugh because it's like it's such an absurd thing. Like, why would I just out of nowhere kiss this person just to make them stop talking? <laughs> but the, the the thing is like my reaction of laughter. It's like it's I'm not worried by the thought, yeah. and I know that it's not gonna happen. Right. Well, also like. Yeah, keep your mouth closed. Yeah, there you go. I think it's an interesting point, separating thoughts from behaviors, because some people truly think that because they have a thought, they have to do something. Yeah. Or because they have a thought, they are a specific way. Exactly. Exactly. And so there's this increased fear around, I'm going to do this. And so then the C part, the compulsion, comes up to try to get rid of it. So like for me, if I was freaked out of like, oh God, I just thought I'm going to kiss this dude, I, I got to get rid of this thought, otherwise it's going to happen. It would be that if I were to develop some strategy to remove the thought. Sure. And, and so maybe I pinch myself or I I um, put my fingers against my lips to stop myself from kissing somebody. You kiss your hand. I kiss sense. my hand. <laughs> if I have a kissing doll and then in the middle of a conversation, I pull it out and I just go, mwah, mwah. the sound of kissing is gross. It is. It's a lot of mouth. It's a lot of mouth. Sometimes I'll watch like movies and mm-hmm. they'll like, it seems like they mic the kissing too much and it really just grosses me out. Yeah, I, I, I did kiss someone once who... What? Before you. Baby, in your vows, you said there was no one before me. Uh, except for our God and Lord and Savior. When I used to make out with that person? Yeah, Jesus. So, oh, it's raining out. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> It's my yeah. This this episode is brought to you by forgetting to take your medication. <laughs> Sometimes I do that in like I'll be speaking at like a conference and it's a pretty important talk I'm giving, and then yeah. I will get very distracted by something happening outside the window and like have to say it. Wait, I just I just want to say I kissed someone once many times the same person sorry who really thought that because of what he had watched on tv that that's how that's how kissing worked okay that you needed to make those noises oh god i know so it was like a lot of information from tv gone bad yeah i mean when does it ever go well i guess but it was a lot of like oh yeah like when you (laughs) yeah yeah so So i kiss that was a bummer oh to. Mouth noises are mouth disgusting. noises are gross. Mouth noises and have you ever heard the sound of someone like rubbing their eye? It's like that squishy sound <laughs> in the corner of their eye. That <laughs> nothing makes me want to throw up harder 
out of my mouth onto the floor than hearing someone squish their <laughs> eye. Throw up harder. Yeah. Oh, so the God. last cluster of obsessions is harm. So the the fear of receiving harm or harming others. So this might also be it's just more the, the receiving harm. And so this usually becomes the routine checking. So people who are afraid that their stove might catch fire, so they they will check it a lot. The people that are afraid they're going to get a break in, so they check the, the locks a lot. Mm-hmm. And so they feel like if they don't do that they're not going to stop that fear. So some of the common obsessions and corresponding compulsions, you talked about fear of contamination. Yep. So compulsion, cleaning, or washing. That's the one that that dude's post yeah. on Craigslist yeah, was yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It was, so basically what he yeah, was yeah. saying was, I want an assistant that has a deep fear of catching a disease to the point where he He's washes- debilitated, completely debilitating. Yeah, where he is, he will take hours to do a very simple cleaning task. Yeah. Last client I worked with to treat obsessive compulsive disorder, he, that, that was his, his pairing. It was a fear of a specific disease and the disease would change based on like what was in the media a lot. Mm-hmm. So he would be afraid of Ebola or to be SARS. Oh, that's and- a fun one because that does shift a lot. Zika. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And so he would be afraid, and he had this exaggerated sense of the risk. And so that's another really common piece of OCD is this exaggerated likelihood. Like, what is what is the likelihood I'll catch this, or what is the prevalence of this thing? Because with right. with Ebola, it's like thirteen people have it. There are so many more people than thirteen in America. Like the chances of getting it are very slim. But there's this exaggerated sense of something bad is guaranteed to happen. But we here. all have that, like we talked about oh, yeah, this no, before with the availability heuristic. Yeah. It's it, like the more we hear about it, the more the news reports on it, the worse we think it is. Even though we have the idea, the understanding that it's a small percentage, it just is a cognitive shortcut we do. Yes. And I love that you, you say that Thank because you. every disorder that we end up talking about on this show, I really want to hit home that all the things that lead into this are on a spectrum. Yeah. So what you're saying with the likelihood of using that heuristic is like we're all, we all use it just to a different degree. And someone who develops obsessive compulsive disorder has ventured a little bit yeah. too reliant on that heuristic. Which, right. And a, a lot of and it, it's, it, it, it's invasive. It becomes a part of their life in a way that reduces their quality of life. It's, it's kind of like if you've ever placed a penny on one of those donation things. You, know, you, you put it on and it starts like slowly going around and spirals down that cone. I don't know what you're talking about. So there's at malls sometimes you'll put a penny on a ramp and it's this huge circle and it'll slowly I go around. It. I got it. And then it speeds up eventually. And I got that's it. how a lot of this is where oh, the heuristic is... Like a snowball. Yeah, yeah. But... I mean, an, you, was you, that you, snowball? Avalanche. Well, I mean... Oh, every avalanche tomato, starts with a snowball. But tomato, potato. Either way, it's basically we use this. It's effective. So we use it more. It's effective. We use it more, and it it starts speeding up, becomes stronger and stronger. So a lot of this is the like pathways in our brain. Exactly, it's a deeper and deeper groove in our brain. Mm. So for this cleaning one, I don't want to catch SARS. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to oh. wash the counters. I don't class get from s- the past. Yeah. Yeah, I am kind of a hipster where I love like retro diseases. I am terrified of mumps, which is actually sadly coming back. That's the most hipster thing of all. Yeah. In uh in in Portland, mumps is on the rise thanks to hipsters yeah. and anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Thank you. But in all seriousness, you wash a lot, it removes that fear and you don't get sick. And so it increases the likelihood, oh, that's my strategy. I'm going to keep going to that. And you keep moving up on that spectrum of relying on that until you're like stuck in it. Okay. 
let me go through these obsessions and compulsions. So you talked about fear of contamination, right? That's what we're just talking, going on a rant about. Persistent doubting. So anxiety that the house door is unlocked despite having just locked it. Okay. Okay. So persistent doubting. And the compulsion with that is checking. I used to have that. And my compulsion was listening to no doubt, which helped to undo my doubting. Shut up. That's so dumb. It's my favorite pro mental health band. Okay. You're you're really yes anding a lot of these jokes. <laughs> I love that we're, we're Oh yeah, we're like number five improv we're, 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 show. Yeah, because we are <laughs> I'm a no butt. We're the number five improv show right now, and it's because we are champions of the new style of improv called No Butt. Yeah, we just interrupt the shit out of each yeah. other. No, 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 but No, really. This but. is what I want no, to talk I about. No, I want to talk about this. Okay. Okay, but I want to talk about this. Good. Okay, cool. So another obsession is violent or sexual intrusive thoughts. Do yep. you talk about that one? Yep. Okay, but do you you talked about violent, but what about sexual? Yeah. You talked about no, it? No, I didn't talk about it. But we can, well, I mean, the way I, I, I wasn't listening. the way I kiss people, it's pretty sexual. And so that's my intrusive thought. Oh, you hope you don't kiss people is your intrusive thought. My intrusive sexual thought. No, in all seriousness, it's very scary for people who like, think, I don't want to rape this person. Yeah, yeah. It, to, it to take, is truly debilitating. Yeah, to take it to a serious point, like that's that's usually like it gets to that point with a lot of these intrusive thoughts that are more sexual. But I do want to say if you are having obsessions about not being violent or not engaging in violent sexual behaviors, you are not someone we're worried about in terms of actually committing the crime. The, the ironic thing is that... I have to just, pee, so I'm going to go really quick. <laughs> welcome back back. do you feel better yeah i do i feel so much it got real like thresholdy yeah pee my pants did you no i don't know bladder control good healthy bladder control for a 40 year old woman good okay what are the risk factors for wait no i'm not done with my part (laughs) okay Obsession. So sexual intrusive thoughts. So the compulsion is repetitive undoing of thoughts. So telling yourself, I'm not a violent person or repeatedly asking for reassurance that one did not commit a violent or unwanted sexual act. That is a really important point more more broadly to make. This compulsions don't have to be behaviors. So a lot of times yeah, that's true. For a lot of people with obsessive compulsive disorder, you don't see their compulsions. Mm. The the easier ones to diagnose and treat are yeah. things like checking, yeah. are things like skin picking. But a lot of people, it's doing these mental gymnastics around it. So they might be counting in their head. They might be trying to undo it or having mantras to try to get rid of these thoughts. And so a lot of times, those are the ones that's harder to diagnose and it's much harder to treat because you can't watch it. And people might not know their compulsions. They might. So related to why this is often misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed is because people don't know that the thoughts that they're having are invasive. They just think they're normal thoughts. That's the hard part with thoughts in general. We don't know what other people are thinking. All right. So moving on with my obsession. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'm the queen of that. So another obsession. Queen. You're so proud of yourself. I'm trying to do anything to make you laugh today. Why? I'm not laughing enough. No, you're not paying attention. Oh, so Mike said that and he just got the biggest grin on his face. Yeah, because you glared for like three seconds and then laughed. Yeah, it was you delayed. Were trying to fight so hard through it. No, no, no. I just I took a minute for it to sit in. So you talked about this fears of causing harm and that's uh, repeated checking behaviors is the compulsion. So that's 
fear intrusive fears of dropping an infant or inadvertently hitting pedestrians mm. while driving, that sort of thing. Did you know that there is a, I don't know if it's a newer diagnosis, but it's wildly underdiagnosed, is postpartum OCD? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you, have you ever worked with anyone, anyone no, for that? No, I don't really work with adults, though. I had, one, I had one case of that where a woman came in with postpartum depression, and it turned out it was OCD because she, she had that fear. She was, oh, yeah. She could not hold her baby because she would have these intrusive thoughts that she would throw the baby on the ground. She was Terrifying, depressed yeah. because she could not hold her child mm -hmm. because she was terrified of throwing it on the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really common. It, yeah. But it's, he, misdiag misdiag it's misunderstood, misdiagnosed, right. all that stuff. One thing I was super proud of this client for was that after we diagnosed it, she basically she was referred by her OBGYN? Yeah, yeah, probably. And they were like, oh, you have probably a postpartum depression. And she went back to them and were like, I really thank you for having me go to a therapist. It's actually mm. postpartum OCD. Cool. And because of that, the doctor like went and got more postpartum OCD stuff. And so she came back to me and she was like, now there's like all this like OCD stuff. And oh, so cool. it was, I think it was just really amazing that she saw it. And it was very proactive to be like, oh. She saw something and said something. Yeah, yeah. She she is a, a believer in the, the TSA lifestyle. I know. I love the TSA. And so, yeah. Don't get me started on the Instagram account again. No, we okay. only have so much time. Okay. We have only so much tape to It's use. only because every time I give an obsession and then a compulsion, you talk for like 10 minutes. Yeah, but this is what the podcast is. <laughs> I know. Are we just <laughs> saying... This is because this is the difference between people can like read about it or listen to two doctors talk about it. Okay. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. It it's great. Okay. Do you want me just to just go in the different room and you can just kind of talk no, through it? No, I don't want to do a solo app like you did because okay. that would be my nightmare. She said symmetry. Uh, the last two, I don't think you mentioned. I wasn't listening, but I don't think you mentioned religious scrupulosity. Did you talk about that? No. Excessive concern with morals or right versus wrong. That would fall under those taboo, more broad category. I knew someone who was really impaired by this. And Here we go. Time to talk about something. <laughs> what? I'm just kidding. Aw. This is probably more misunderstood than other areas. Also, the contamination, like dirty things being dirty as it applies to religion yeah so it's and not like god and masturbation and things that you were told yes and not not dirty in the sense of like germs right, but right, dirty right. in the sense of it's it's like not right exactly it's, it's amoral right right no right. It, it is it's immoral immoral yeah i knew someone who every time he masturbated he felt like throwing up because it was so immoral and wrong in the eyes of god to do so yeah and eventually stopped masturbating because he couldn't handle the thought. The compulsion is religious compulsions like praying, um, saying you're sorry to God. The last one I want to talk about is superstitions. Mm. Very superstitions. Writing on the wall. This is not what Stevie Wonder I was talking about. I love Stevie Wonder. Da, da, da. He one of my, he's one of my favorite musicians. Okay. That's bold. Him and David Bowie are up there. All right. Okay. So that's the obsession, superstitions. An example might be like lucky or unlucky numbers or colors. Superstitious behaviors might include avoiding writing unlucky numbers, repeating activities, or a certain lucky or right number of times. And this is another great example of we are we're kind of all on this spectrum. Like this is right. People 
in general are superstitious. There's studies where they show like you can train animals to be superstitious to like avoid certain things for this belief that something bad's going to happen. It be- it tips into a disorder when it is debilitating. Like if you are if you're an athlete and you have a superstition about a, a certain piece of clothing you have to wear, that's fine. But if you don't have it and you like are paralyzed and can't play, now it's a disorder because it is getting in the way of what you need to be doing. I I have to say this because if I don't, I'll forget. For people who are diagnosed with OCD, fewer than 40% receive OCD-specific therapy. And out of those, this is fucking crazy, fewer than 10% receive evidence-based treatment. The saddest thing about all this is like, this is debilitating. It's awful. It interferes with people's daily yeah, living. It ruins people's lives. It, Yeah. And... Very few people are doing evidence-based treatment or seeking. Yeah, that's. I guess you would say like a lot of practitioners don't do evidence-based treatment for us. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They might not know. The hardest part of my job and the hardest thing for me to sit with as a therapist is hearing what other therapists do. Like mm-hmm. I. There's great ones out there, no, by no, the way. There's, I, I have tons, tons of colleagues that I highly respect and I believe in empirically based treatments for OCD are extremely effective. Yeah. And so it's very infuriating that people don't do them. And I will say there are specific OCD treatment centers that specialize in this and they're highly effective. One thing I really do want to talk about is what does good treatment look like and how to find a person that can do that treatment. So if you're listening and you think that you or someone that you know or love or both, if they have that problem, like being able to advocate. Yeah, for evidence-based treatment. For evidence-based treatments. We could talk about that. Cool, cool, cool. So what do you got going on this week? Oh, um, playing a board game. Yeah, we're playing Terraforming Mars. Yeah, apparently it takes a really long time. We're supposed to watch a video beforehand. Like, I don't know. Are we ready for this? No, I told them I was going to watch a video and I did not watch a well, video. Well, we still have time. Cool. Um, Working on a grant. Going to get that in this week. All right. Hey-o. Boring. <laughs> it's where the money is. It is. What are you doing this week or what's on your mind? Uh, what are you plugging? What am I plugging? I'm plugging running. My, my running's getting good. I'm, I'm feeling better and more confident in my longer you runs. You have an ultra marathon. I have an ultra marathon up. coming up. And so I'm trying to increase that. October? October. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be less hot and steamy out. I am I'm reading a Kurt Vonnegut novel, which is fantastic. Uh, so I'm plugging Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> uh, he, needs, he needs some promotion. Yeah. And new, new on the scene. Yeah. New kid on the scene, Kurt Vonnegut. Check out Slaughterhouse V. <laughs> And uh, his other other musings. Okay. Okay. One one thing I do, I don't want to, it's not a plug. David Berman has passed away really recently. So he, if you've never heard of David Berman, he is a poet, but he's more known as the leader of a rock band called The Silver Jews, as well as The Purple Mountains, which is his most recent project. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it, the album just came out. It is amazing. It's so good. He had a lifelong struggle with depression and drug and alcohol abuse. A lot of it comes through in his music. He writes about these struggles, and it's just it's a really sad thing that he passed away uh, by suicide very recently uh, after a really lifelong struggle. And so, if you have never heard of him, check out his music. It has given comfort to a lot of people, and it's really helped people to feel a connection with someone. And so I would highly encourage people to check out some of his music. And if it moves you, if it strikes you in a certain way, share it with a friend. Try to really raise that connection with people. And, and hopefully it, it motivates you to reach out, to get help, and to, to talk to someone about yeah. what's, what's going on. So uh, here's to David Berman 
a really uh, a really unique and amazing voice. All right, I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. I know. want to do a follow-up corner from last week follow-up corner we talked last week you asked me a question i did some research on it when we were talking about school breakfast about the effect of academic performance no one ever talks about school dinner it's because it's not a thing so you asked about the effect of having breakfast because has it helped okay giving kids breakfast why are you looking at me like that i'm waiting for the answer oh i i had a guess last week and i basically said kids who are getting free or reduced meals at school are in school for six hours a day and it doesn't undo the effects of whatever is going on outside of their school experience so kids who come from like high stress communities where there's either violence low ses like chronic issues just being in school for six hours a day and having two hot meals is not the drop in the bucket yeah it's but but, what did you find out so that was my hypothesis and it turns out that that's true so this one study in new york Corcoran at all and colleagues. So the effect of breakfast on the class on in the classroom on actually on obesity and academic performance. They found large effects on participation. So a lot of kids participating in it in the program. Not, in the program, not later participating in class. Right. Okay. In the program, our findings provide no evidence of hoped for gains in academic performance or of increases in obesity. So, okay, so basically, it's, it's a nice thing, but it's not really. Yeah. And that's just one study we can explore further. But I just wanted to bring that up. Cool. So a little bright moment Man, in our otherwise dark yeah. times. So fuck breakfast. No, it's really important. It is really and important. No, like, let's not have kids it's be one, hungry. It's no, just not yeah. leading to the academic increases that it's not doing everything. For. Cool. Well, Kay. that's been. What do we say? Corrections? No, follow-ups. I said follow up. Because we don't. We're never wrong. We're not we correcting ourselves. We have like four ourselves. corners in this room. We have corrections corner, follow-up corner, unethical corner, and coroner's what, corner. The coroner's corner. We talk. Oh, that's we talked about David Berman. Oh, we did. Yeah, it's not funny. That's not funny. Don't I'm gonna cut laugh. that last part out. I'm actually not.